Hey everyone, it is a blessing to be with you. Thank you to our worship team for leading us this morning. I'm going to be leading us in communion at the end of my sermon, so you have about 25 minutes to get ready, but you might want to go do that. It's okay. Uh, go ahead and snag your items because I wanted to dwell on communion as we uh, conclude this sermon this morning. Something that is, is coming up that I'm excited about, we have these really awesome postcards that were made by one of our former members, Hilary Dildine, who's a fantastic artist. Uh, they moved to Fresno a few years ago, but uh, they have made these for Advent. And so if you are interested in, in coloring one of these for us, what we're going to do is have members from our church, and not just kids, everyone. Uh, we want to involve everyone in our church. Um, so we want to have 25 households color this in for us, and we're going to put that on our Instagram and Facebook and have it as a way for us to uh, prepare our hearts for the coming of Christmas and to do this all together, even though we can't be together. So if you would like to do one of those, um, please, just as the kids say, holler at your boy. Uh, send me a message, <laughs> Brian with a Y at Glendale.church. Uh, just let me know. Or you can just say in the chat, Brian, I want one of those, and I'll look at that later. So please just let me know, and we'd love to have Every member of our church participate in this who can, so we will bring these to you, bring them by, even mail them to you if you're out of state, so I'd love for you to participate in that. Also, we have our Christmas Eve service, which is going to be coming up on Christmas Eve, and uh, we are preparing for that, and we know that this is just going to be a strange holiday season. Just face the fact it's going to be very odd uh, for everybody. And we hope that our Christmas Eve service will be an encouragement to people who maybe feel isolated and alone during this time. So we have some postcards that you could send out and uh, mail to people. And anybody, of course, because this is going to be on YouTube, can watch it uh, from all over the country or even in the world. So if you would like some postcards, again, just let me know. Let me know in the chat or send me an email and we can bring some of those postcards to you as well. We hope that all the members of our church will just send out these postcards just so people can be encouraged. We hope that we can be a light during this hard time. It has been a really hard year, which is, in fact, a little bit of what I'm talking about, because we are stuck in the middle. And when you're in an in-the-middle moment, it can be hard for you to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And for most of us, we thought perhaps like, oh, you know, if you really just shut it down in March, then we're going to get better. But if you're in L.A. County, really, it hasn't gotten better. Uh, we haven't gotten out of the purple zone when they made up the purple zone a little while ago. Uh, and unfortunately, right now, it appears like it's going to be frankly, a hard several months, just very honestly. It's going to be hard, and um, we need to continue to pray that the coronavirus pandemic would, would stop uh, as soon as possible, and we hopefully lean into that. But we also face the reality that we are in an in-the-middle moment where probably optimistically we'll be out of this real crisis maybe in three or four months, and Hopefully a vaccine, which we are getting some good news on that, will be able to be dispersed to people, but it's still going to be a while. And I wanted to talk about this because when you're in this in the middle type moment, it can be a dangerous place and a space uh, for all of us. And I know for me, as I think about my life, it's when I've made some poor decisions. Something that is affecting all of us and perhaps you is, is job loss. And um, I did want to send a, a word to some of our men, perhaps you have lost a job during this time. And I saw this article, um, someone posted this on, on GQ, that um, sometimes you can be too handsome for a good job. Like handsomeness can, can affect your work. So just in case um, at Thanksgiving with your few like, number of people who are there, your brother-in-law brings it up, like, sorry, you lost your job. You're like, well, you know, I'm just too handsome for work. You can mention uh, that. I do wonder what this means for those of us who have like, happily enjoyed the job they're in for a long time. I, I don't know what that means. 
about me. And when it comes to our lives, when we lose a job, when we have a a chronic illness, when we're in a, a tough spot in our marriage, things can start to weigh on us a little bit. And I think we can start to believe three things. First, I'll never be happy again. Secondly, nothing good can come from this. And then thirdly, probably most tragically, there's just no point in continuing. And I hope that someday somebody isn't watching this just not without me talking. So like, wow, this is a weird sermon because I just see this at the, at the bottom of the screen. But these are three things that we, I think, if we're honest, can all start to believe that, you know, there's just really hard and we can make bad choices in this moment where we turn to something else and, and not necessarily work through the thing that we need to work through. Because life at times is hard. Life at times takes work. And Jesus is very honest about this. He says to us, in this world, you will have trouble. Not follow me and you'll just get a great life and everything will be perfect. No, in this world, you will have trouble. It's going to be hard for you at times. It's going to be a struggle, but sometimes that can be really valuable. And that's why I love the honesty of the New Testament. And even in the Old Testament, the characters that we see in Scripture, they faced adversity. Scholars will say it's unbelievable that this religion survived the first century. How is it even possible when men and women of faith are dying for it? I mean, that's a real tough way to get new members in your church when you know it might cost you your life. How did that even happen? But what happened with these early Christians and early believers is they faced adversity well and they believed something crazy that perhaps good things can come as we push through adversity. There are things that are said in Scripture that I'm really happy are there uh, because I get to say it, and it's something that I honestly would never say to you. For example, Jesus, as he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he says, do not worry about your life. Now, if I'm preaching, I say, don't worry about most of your stuff, but there's about five things, yeah, you should probably worry about, you know, your kid's health and some stuff like that. Let me give you a few caveats on that. But Jesus just boldly declares, don't worry. And I love that Jesus continues to give us these kind of ideals and give us all things that, that we need to focus on and think about. And like, it's more than I could say myself because Jesus gives us these types of things. And then you see in Scripture other examples of this as well. James, who is the brother of Jesus, toward the end of the New Testament, he begins his letter by saying this in James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And this to me, uh, we'll hold, up, hold up for that one. This to me is one of those moments where it's pretty shocking because James has just said in James chapter 1, basically, greetings to anybody who will read this. And then he says, hi, in James chapter 1. And then James chapter 1, verse 1. And then in James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind. There's not like any sort of like softening of this blow. This is like somebody just walking up to you and saying, hey, how's it going? And you're just like, consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind. It's like, wow, that's a, a bit heavy. When I learned to preach, they told us to start with some funny jokes at the beginning. You know, tell a, tell a story and get into it. And then after they're laughing a little bit, then come with like, and here's the hard truth you need to understand. Everyone's like, yeah, thanks. At least you softened that blow a little bit. But James 
apparently doesn't have chicken soup for the soul. He doesn't have a story about knitting or grandma or something. It's just like, just let me just come right at you with this. And it's pretty unbelievable. The brother of Jesus starts with this. Like, consider it pure joy. Consider it in a different way when you face any kind of trials. I know how you're going to be tempted to think about it, James says, but could you possibly think of it in a different way? And the word for consider there in, in the Greek just basically means like adopt a different mindset. Think about this differently because it's possible that there might be some gifts in this for you. It's possible that if you will allow yourself to go through this and, and endure it, there could be some gifts for you in it. And James continues and says in verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You all know, he says, that when you go through these hard things, when you face adversity and you face it well and you don't give up, it produces perseverance, steadfastness, standing behind. I don't know about you, but I think our world needs a lot more of that. We need a lot more steadfastness. Saying, you know, I'm not always going to agree with you, but I'm going to love you. And we're going to agree on certain things. And we're going to disagree on a lot else, but I'm still going to stand with you. And yeah, I'm going to face some hardships in my life, but I'm going to walk through them with a different perspective because I know that I need steadfastness. I need perseverance. And perhaps, yes, I wish there was another way to learn this, but I know that I need it. Something that I've noticed in my 13 years of working with a church because I'm no longer like the young preacher anymore. I have a little bit of experience uh, at this point and I have the thinning hairline to prove it. And as I've watched people work in a community, as I try to lead a faith community, I've noticed that as we are in community with each other, we can do things that hurts. Like within a family, any sort of system, you can do things that hurt each other. And oftentimes I've noticed that in, in my life personally, and also as I've seen others interact in, in our church, that oftentimes it's people that are in our blind spot that drive us the craziest. It's things that we aren't necessarily all that good at or all that attuned to, and they are really good at operating over there. And it's just like they can continue to operate over there, and it can get frustrating after a while because you're like, come on, I, I, I'm focused over here, and you're focused over here. And it's these blind spots that we have that sometimes I think we need to recognize, yeah, it's going to be a little bit hard for me to walk through this situation with this person and in this community, but ultimately it's going to be better for both of us that we do it together. Instead of me just focusing on my own gifts and my own talents and staying over here in my space and just doing my own thing, it's better for the good of our church, it's better for the good of our community if we find a way to work together to move this forward. And if you're in any sort of community for any amount of time, it's hard. But ultimately, all studies show that community is 
very, very beneficial to us. Robert Putnam, who's a great researcher on community, he says this, being in community is so important that if you have terrible health habits, you're more likely to be healthy and live longer in community than if you have great health habits and you live in isolation. And some of you specifically are really experiencing, this is one of the reasons why this is so hard for us as we deal with the pandemic, because isolation is really, really hard. And I hope that you always remember that once we're back to some sort of normalcy, that you need to fight for community in your life because this really hurts and it's hard for us all to deal with. But what Putnam says there is it's better for you health-wise to eat Twinkies with friends than broccoli alone. That it's better for you, I'm getting some fist pumps in here, it's better for you like health-wise and longevity to be in community. And sometimes that means some people are going to rub you the wrong way and not see things the same way that you do. But I've found in my life and in my ministry, and as I've kind of looked out over the life of, of our church, that oftentimes it's people in my blind spots or people in each other's blind spots that have trouble getting along. But actually, if they would work together, things would be so much better. And as they face adversity, and that's when I think we can be tempted to, to give up on each other or, or to walk away. But in reality, what we miss is the good part. And that's true like in a faith community, but it's also true individually that there are things that are going to be hard. The Bible does not like make this easier or make it like, oh, I, I, like, this is going to be so much better for you. No, it's, like, it's being very honest. And James, the brother of Jesus, just jumps right to this message. Consider it pure joy because you all need perseverance. You need to be steadfast with each other. You need to be willing to not just give up right when things get a little bit difficult. And then James continues, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Again, this is one of those where you go, can there just be another way? But James says that perseverance has to do with complete and mature faith. There's something about perseverance and enduring and learning steadfastness and how to walk through something that at times sometimes seems like way too much for you to handle. There's something about it that produces great faith. Sometimes it's that adversity or that awkward situation or that thing that you really know you need to do something about. Sometimes it's that that is a hub for God's activity. And you need to learn something through that situation or through that person. And please don't give up and walk away, though you are tempted to. Because God's activity is there and there's something about complete, mature faith is produced by perseverance. And I know this isn't a spoonful of sugar. At times, you wish there was another way I think of the Old Testament as Abraham is offered this covenant by God and God says, and our covenant will be circumcision. And Abraham's probably like, could we do a handshake instead? And there's things in scripture that are like, wait, like, I, I don't want that truth. I don't want to experience that. That's hard. This is one that we need to deeply understand that there's something about a connection between complete, mature faith and perseverance. 
You all know that this is true because there's people in your life who you just marvel at the stories, like what they were able to get through and what they accomplished, and yet they held on to their faith in God and they tell their story and you're just beaming and you think, that's an amazing story. I'm so moved by that. It's how did you even get through that? How did God carry you through that? And they talk about how they saw God's hand and and provision as things were going hard during some of those seasons. And you know that you are moved by that kind of faith, but yet, it's hard for us to then go through it ourselves, right? It's hard for us when we face the adversity and we're going through the hard thing, when we're in the rough spell and we're in the, in the middle season and we're wondering and we have more doubts than answers and we have so many things that we're struggling with. But James says there's some sort of connection between mature, complete faith and a willingness to persevere. And again, that's hard, but it's so true. Because when you see somebody who, as they walked through the valley of the shadow of death, they didn't hit the eject button, but they continued to trust in the faithfulness of God. And it's just impressive and it's marvelous. And James continues in James chapter 1, verse 5, and says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. This is one of the great promises of scripture that if you want wisdom, if you want it with your life, pray for it. God will give it generously to you. And this almost seems like a subject change because he's been talking about perseverance and, and complete faith. Now we're going to go talk about wisdom for a minute. But ultimately what wisdom is, is it's applying everything in your life and applying it well, like looking at the context of your entire life and saying, all right, I see this within a bigger picture. I'm not going to make like this bad decision over here that's going to lead me down this path. I'm going to look at it as like, okay, I'm going to stay consistent on this road, even though it's hard, because I know that this is going to lead me somewhere good. Wisdom is looking at the full context of your life and knowing that there's a bigger part of the story and not just running away at the first sign of problems. So uh, wisdom is looking at times of adversity and saying, okay, I want to learn from this situation. I have some stuff that in humility I need to grow in. What is it that I can learn from this conflict relationship? Or what is it that I, that I can learn from this chronic illness? And I wish I didn't have to deal with it. But God, I trust that as I persevere through this, you are going to be with me. And I trust that it will lead me to a complete faith. I always remember in seventh grade, um, I got a chance to play quarterback for our football team. And in that wonderful lunchtime experience, we would split up the alphabet. And I was in the back half with the last name of Shackman. And we played against the front half of the alphabet. And at the practice for that football game, the coach said, has any of you played quarterback before? And I'd played quarterback a couple times in my front yard and I'd played baseball. So I said, sure, I'll, I'll try it out. And they let me have a few snaps at quarterback at practice. And I threw still, I think the longest pass of my life in that practice. And it hit the wrong guy in stride, but he was on my team. Like I threw it to one guy and it went the other way, uh, but it hit this guy perfectly in stride. And so the coach said, wow, we, we found our quarterback, Brian, you're it. And I was so excited. I thought, yeah, I, I could do this. So I 
get ready uh, for that game. I remember as a seventh grader um, holding the football and sleeping with it the night before. I had our three plays memorized. I was just ready to go for that game. And I step out onto the field and my first pass is an interception because Playing with like actual a lot of defenders is way different. If you've never played quarterback in a situation like that, than playing two on two in your front yard. So I was like, all right, you know, the good ones are gunslingers. Just do a little Brett Favre action. So let's step out onto the field again. And I threw a second interception. And so as I was walking off the field, I'll always remember this guy named Zach Whitmer looking me right in the eyes and saying, if you throw one more interception, I'm going to hate you for the rest of your life. Which was a very intense thing to say. And Zach probably does because I threw two more interceptions. <laughs> I ended up going one for six that day with four interceptions, and I was yanked in a 20-minute um, football game for my backup. And it was a humiliating experience. Uh, and unfortunately, our defense was apparently like the 1985 Bears because we only lost 7 nothing, uh, But we did, did lose, and I remember just feeling that high of like, man, I might be on my way to be the next great NFL quarterback to just a slamming thud uh, to my football career. I found out later that's a negative uh, uh, QB rating. I didn't even know that was possible, but if you enter one of six for 10 yards and four interceptions, it's a negative QB rating. And it was a really horrible experience. And perhaps you have a moment like that that was just so embarrassing. And I remember distinctly this happened on a Friday. And the whole weekend, it's maybe the most anxious weekend I've had in my life. I just thought, I'm never going to recover from this. Like, this is going to be the thing that everybody remembers me for. How do I even come back from this? And now, I wish I could get in the time machine and go back and tell seventh grade Brian, on Monday morning, nobody's going to remember this. It's all going to be fine. Maybe you and Zach Whitmer, but nobody's going to remember this on Monday morning. You're going to be fine. As I think about my life now, the problems that I can face, the things that are going on, I could wish that I had a middle school football problem, right? But I bet when I'm 10 years down the road, or 15, I'll want to come and put my arm around my shoulder and say, yeah, that was tough, but look at what you learned from it. Yeah, it was hard, but look at some of the blessings that you've received. And maybe that one, you don't even see many blessings from, except you had a community around you that loved you and cared for you. And you had a God who walked with you through it as well. As we face adversity and, and difficult circumstances and stuff that we, we try and it goes wrong, it's so tempting to just think this is it, this is over. I, I just can't go one step further. But would you believe that that's not the end of the story. Would you hold on and say, I want to persevere through this? Because there's something about perseverance and complete faith. There's something to be gained from even this. Would you believe that? I know it's hard. And I wish it was easier. And I think at times, like as I think about James writing this immediately in his letter, not softening the blow at all, I think he's writing this because this is probably the most important thing that we need to know about life. That 
There's something about going through trials and difficulties that helps us to stretch and grow in ways that we wouldn't prefer. But there's something to it. And you could believe this. And you could say, God, I'm going to understand that even as I face some hard stuff that you are with me. Or you couldn't. You could just let whatever it is beat you down. You could let that thing be the thing that defines you. And it would totally be understandable. Because you've got a chronic illness or you went through a divorce. Or you're addicted to alcohol. There's just not a lot you could do. I think about that and how easily we can say, yeah, this is just too hard. I just, I can't get through this. And you could choose to do that. But do you want to be the person who at your Thanksgiving gathering or Christmas gathering and one day they'll be back to normal? Who is sitting in the corner as an angry old man or bitter old woman, and they have you there at the party, but they don't really want you there at the party. They will whisper things in the other room like, yeah, we know. We know that grandpa is not the best, but... And you could choose to let that stuff beat you down. And it's understandable. And everybody would say, yeah, I totally get it. Or you could choose to say, I want to persevere through this. And even though perhaps it's debilitating and it's hard, I still am going to live with hope, endurance, and a belief that God is still with me. I can't help but think of our friend, Vinton Wolf, who from our church passed away uh, a few weeks ago. And Vinton, towards the end of his life, was blind and every Sunday I would come in and find him sitting in here. He was one of the first ones to arrive and he's 100% 100% blind, and I'd walk up to him and say, Vin, how are you doing? And every single Sunday, he'd say, I can't complain. I can't complain. And yeah, he could have chosen to be beaten down by that. We all face stuff that we could choose, and everybody would understand. But would you be the kind of person who says, yeah, this is a tough hand, I'm dealt but I understand there's something that God can do in this. And I'm not going to sit there and complain. Because as you go through hard times, as you're in, in the middle moments, you have the opportunity to choose to persevere with hope and to recognize that, yes, some good can come from it. That, yeah, you can be happy again. Yeah, there's a point in continuing because everyone's watching. And as you go through adversity, sometimes that's the way to see the hand of God carrying you through it. Because as James says, that truly is complete and mature faith.